Hi, and welcome to The Badass Moms, where we moms learn to achieve fitness and health goals despite being sleep deprived and overworked. Here's your host, Nicole, the super busy mommy coach. Hello, and welcome to Badass Moms, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach. And today I am so excited to be joined by Dalma Vasquez of Dalma Wellness. Uh, Dalma is a functional nutrition and lifestyle coach specializing in helping women heal their mental and physical bodies through nutrition and lifestyle habits. Dalma, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I was really excited when you invited me. So um, I'm eager to get in and dive deep with you today. Oh, I can't wait to dive deep. You know, it was, I had to, I had to invite you. I mean, seeing your appearances on Khalid's show, um, you know, seeing you, I've just, everything you've put up on social media, you just do these soliloquies. So beautiful. You ended up talking about like a rough time you were having and how it's okay to have those rough times. And I have it flagged because I didn't actually get to watch the whole thing. But, you know, like, tell us what happened. You you were breaking down last night over about something. Yeah. So um, actually, it was Monday. Um, yeah. Today's Wednesday. Yeah, Monday. <laughs> so, yeah. Mom life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it just it it it's kind of like a series of events and things kind of compound, you know, and um I live in northwest Illinois and the weather here is really gray. I can't even remember the last time the sun came out. <laughs> and it really affects my mood, so that already alone sets the tone for the day. And then, you know, I had a a difficult conversation with my son and then I had a difficult conversation with my friend and then I had a job lead that kind of fell through. Um, and then I got a report from, you know, this inspection that I had from my house. And it just, it was just like a trickle down effect. And even though I know that everything always works out for good, it's, you know, I know that things always turn out well at the, at the end, even if I have to go through struggle and pain, you know, sometimes, you know, just life gets the best of me, you know, and as a single mom, it sometimes does get to be a lot, you know, um, you know, you have to be strong, not only for yourself, but for your kids, you know, then if you have a business, you have to show up every day, people rely on you for things, you know, I hold myself to a very high standard, you know, I, I, I practice what I preach, I practice what I tell people to do, you know, I eat, well, I, you know, I have my own goals. I have all these things, but sometimes it just becomes a lot. And so that day was just like, you know what? I'm tired and I was emotional. And by the end of the day, I, you know, I had like a meltdown, you know, and I just cried it out in the shower. Back in the day when I really struggled with a lot of depression, like serious depression, you know, those moments would become days, right? Um, and so through the work that I've done in nutrition and God's transformation and the lifestyle habits that I've changed and all the things that I've done to implement on a daily basis, allow me to have those moments, have them and have them not become days on it. So I think, especially as single moms, there's no time for those moments. And if I show, if I have that moment, that means that I'm weak. That means that I'm a failure. That means that I'm not doing my best. That means that I can't keep going. That means that something's wrong with me. And I've learned 
that it is okay to embrace those moments. As much as we want to believe we are super women, which in, in, in actuality we are, in many ways, there are moments that, you know, we're going to crack and it, it's okay. It's okay to fall on your face. It's okay to fail. If you don't fail, that means you're probably not, not, not trying hard enough sometimes. You know what I mean? Because life just keeps going and there's just so much that you can take on. I, I've learned that also it's not good for our kids to see that we are perfect, like, because it doesn't allow them the opportunity to fail. Because if they think, okay, well, this is unachievable, like I have to be this perfect person, I have to always have my emotions in check, I have to always act perfectly, and pretend that I'm okay, for other people's benefit. I mean, yeah, to a certain degree, you know, you don't want to be a complete jerk or whatever. But if if you don't show that sometimes life is hard and it's okay to grieve, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to embrace the hard, the hard news, the hard situation, the whatever, the breakup, the the injury, the whatever. Um, but it, it's in how you deal with it that makes a difference. Now, if I had a meltdown and then went and ate a whole chocolate cake or when and I downed a whole, you know, uh, six pack of beer or, you know, I went out and I got myself some dude to satisfy my need and that that's what I'm presenting to my kids, then then they're not learning anything good. So either way, you either pretend that you got it all together or you, in the hard, you, you show them the wrong way to cope. That's, you know, part of my growing up in some of the hard things that I've gone through because I also am very empathetic. So I take on a lot more than a lot of people. I feel very deeply that also contributes to certain emotions that I have. And so I have learned that it's okay, that you don't always have to escape the heart. You don't always have to get, get distracted. You don't always have to pretend or put a mask on. You know, let yourself just feel the emotion, check in with myself. Okay, what is it that I need most right now? And right now, that moment after the shower, I just needed to go to sleep. It was like 7.30. Before, back in the day, uh, many, many years ago, I, you know, you know, get a Ben and Jerry's, you know, and just escape watching a movie and eat the whole thing um, and then feel guilty the next day. Or I would take it out on one of my kids. They're the easiest target. And that's not okay either. When you check in really and say, okay, what do I really need? Yeah, and it's not the sugar. It's not the cake. It's not the alcohol. It's not the wine, you know? Sometimes I check in and I'm like, I need to call somebody. Sometimes I check in and I need, I need to pray. Sometimes I check in and I say, I need to journal, you know? Sometimes I check in and I, okay, I need to rest. And so that's what I did. I went to sleep early and uh, the next day was a new day. Got up and just went about my business. So those are the things that, that, I, that I have learned. Sometimes I wonder like, okay, am I doing damage by having my children see, and it's not like I broke down in front of the girls or anything like that, but they could hear me crying, you know, they could hear me. Um, and they've seen me at, at my worst, but they, they've also seen me get up every time I fall on my face, they see me get up, you know, for the 50 times that I fall, I, I, they'll, they've seen me get up the 51st time. And that shows them resilience that shows them perseverance. 
And so instead of thinking, man, I'm going to fail them by showing them that I'm, I'm having a hard time, I've learned that, you know, it's also a life lesson for them to see that uh, life is not always going to be easy. In fact, it isn't. And if you are trying to swim upstream and do your very best and not go go with the norm and what people are doing and whatever, and you're trying to do your best, it is going to be hard. It is lonely at times. Um, so that was my point about posting that too, because I think the social media always paints the picture that everything is good. Like everybody has it put together and that it's easy for her because either, you know, that lady is, she's good looking or she could do it because she's always happy or she could do it because she's got great kids or, you know, because that's the facade that is put up on social media. And I never want anyone that's following me to think that I don't have bad days too. But the difference is that I choose what I do with them. My choice is different than what other people might do. That, that was the whole point about being vulnerable and, and po- posting that. Yeah, I mean, it's like you spew diamonds. <laughs> so many things in there to just emphasize. And, you know, what you said about, you know, it's okay to break down. It doesn't make you weak, you know, like facing your emotions head on, you know, people who, um, you know, have followed me a lot, know it as be a warrior, but you know, that's just, I mean, that's timeless wisdom, right? Like you find that advice across cultures and across time that, you know, escaping as a coping mechanism doesn't actually help in the moment it feels better but in the long term, you're doing damage. And, you know, like if you face it head on and the analogy, uh, I don't even know where this originated, (laughs) but the ocean wave washing over you and then receding, it's like, it's like, you know, yes, yes. And then, you know what you said about breakdowns. I mean, that just hit me because it's like, you know, when you have a young kid that it's like, like I put memes up every once in a while. And even on, on my website, there's a page where it's like, you know, how do you fit in workouts when you don't even have time for a breakdown? It's like that pressure (laughs) to no matter how you feel, you're just, you know, when you're in those situations and especially for me, it was when I was transitioning to being a single mom, my son was only one. And it's like, you're on all day and Mm -hmm. like, it's healthy to let yourself break down sometimes. And you know, at that point, um, you know, I was transitioning to be a single mom and I lost my brother at the same time. And there's a whole bunch of logistical stuff with like, you know, the family business doesn't do so well when the founders get divorced and all of that. <laughs> it's like, I knew I needed to break down and I, the, I had to go the entire day just delaying that breakdown until I was in bed. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just like, like you mentioned that pressure, you know, when you're a single mom of just being on all the time and, you know, not only sing, like so many parents, you know, uh, military spouses with people deployed or shift workers, spouses, and, mm-hmm. you know, first responder, like so many people are in that situation. It's just like, you have to be on and the pressure of not even being able <laughs> to break down like that just really when you said that that resonated with me so much but then the way you brought it around to you know it it, you know making that space for yourself as soon as you can for you it was in the shower you know Mm -hmm. for me it was in bed um Mm -hmm. and then you know for your kids you know like acting like you don't feel that way they can't relate to that and so what you Mm -hmm. said about modeling for them being transparent about how to react to those emotional experiences, how to deal with that, what to do when that happens. That's where the the lesson and the value comes right. in and the true parenting. And 
everything you said is just like, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, anybody could be a good parent when things are great. Mm. Anybody could be a great parent when when you're feeling great and where ki- when your kids are well behaved. But the true test is when you're not like completely okay or when your kids acting up. You know, that's when you can show what a good parent is, mm-hmm. what good parenting is. You know, taking the time. You know, love is inefficient, meaning it takes time to love your kids well. It takes time to love yourself well, right? Fear is very efficient. Mm. You better sit down. I'm going to spank you. you. That That is efficient, right? You get people to do something or the distraction is efficient. Like you down that wine bottle or you eat that, you know, sugar, whatever, you know, that's efficient. That's, that's in the moment, Mm -hmm. but nothing good. Like you said, nothing good comes out. But when you're actually taking the time to love yourself well, that takes time. That takes effort. It's not efficient. Um, but it's really when you grow personally and you, you show up well for your kids and, and teach them valuable life lessons that they can't get anywhere else, but at home. Yeah. And showing them how to behave and what to do when you're feeling weak, when you're at your wits end, Mm -hmm. when you're about to break, you know, like they can relate to that. They can't relate Mm -hmm. to the picture perfect parent, you know? Right. So it is, I think, a valuable thing to, you know, to just show people that the real side of you. And I, I never really had the, the pretend gene that, you know, like I, I'm not, I don't have the phony gene. You know, that's not a hard thing. Like my, my youngest, I always tell her, you know, you are not responsible for my happiness. I have to tell her all the time. And like, I can walk in and she's like, listen, I'm like, I just walked in. I didn't even say anything. She's so in tune with me. Right. But that comes because you create bonds with your children when you're transparent, when you're authentic, when you tell them, you know what? I struggle too. I understand where you're going through. I know that that hurts you. At least for me, that has really created a relationship with my teenage daughters that a lot of parents don't have. Not not because I think I'm a greater parent, but because I, I have had so many life lessons that I have been willing to share with them and, and just be able to expose myself in ways that are is relevant and age appropriate, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that is relatable to them. When you meet meet them and you meet them in their world and you can connect with them on their level and not like pretend that you're above them or better than them because I was a teenager too and probably worse than them <laughs> to be honest <laughs> that creates that connection that is is valuable and um you know we're we're on borrowed time with our kids mm-hmm. we only have a very short window and you can either have them be exposed or like have other people's wisdom be brought into them, or you can have the the blessing or take advantage of you being the one to speak life and wisdom into them. And that takes a lot of investment and connecting with them on their level because they won't want to invite you in mm-hmm. if they can't relate to you. They'll yep. go about their business. You know, I I know that full well, a lot of my friends who have kids too, they can't connect with them. And every answer is like, oh, how was your day? Fine. What did you do? I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, 
because the kid doesn't want to connect with you. They don't know who you are. They don't relate to you, even though they're your, your parent They're you know, you're, you're their parent, you know? So they feel like you're um, going to judge them if they're honest. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the flip side is that my kids, I have heard really things that I don't want to necessarily want to hear, right? Like you're like, and and, you know, they're communicating and you're inside like freaking out. Like, (laughs) I don't know what, I don't want to hear this. (laughs) Like, <laughs> what is happening? And they're just freaking out, and you're like, "Thank you for sharing." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you either you know it's a balance, I guess. You know, you take one or the other. I would have what I have. You know, yeah, it's a it's a journey. I'm on a journey. Still, they're on a journey. So I never want to make them think that I've arrived or that I figured everything out. So yeah, I mean, it sounds beautiful. I hope that my relationship with my son is like that when he's a teenager. Yeah. And it, and again, it takes a lot of effort. And I see that you spend a lot of time with him and, you know, you listen to him and, you know, those videos that you, you know, when he was on the beach and just like talking, you let him leave, you know, just those are the moments that they start to feel safe and um, and that and that you see them as an individual, then they, they will continue to bloom and want to continue to just just be who they are in and it's a beautiful thing. And, and then you can, you can like mold and help and direct and redirect. And as he grows, I mean, you, you know, it, I see that you're, you're heading in that direction is it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see that. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, um, we all try our best as parents and you, there's always the ups and downs, you know, um, I had a really rough one. Um, I'm not a crier and my eyes welled up. Um, the other day it was like, you know, sometimes as a parent when like you've tried every positive way you could possibly think of and it's something important where you can't just like let it go. You have to solve it. And so you're like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to revert to yelling or, you know, mm-hmm. being harsh or because it's just it's important enough that it needs to get done. And I can't figure out another way. And mm-hmm. I had one of those moments where I was I wasn't like yelling necessarily, but I was like, you know, stern mommy voice being harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, because he was just not getting his work done. He was just like, I, Eric, do you work? And like, I have to get my work done. And so it's like, Eric, you know, do this. And then he like gets up, Eric, do this. He gets up, Eric, do this. And it was just like that the whole day. And then um, he at one point goes to me, he's like, mommy, do you want another kid? And I was like, you mean like a brother or sister? Like, he's like, no, mommy, do you want a different kid? Like, you know, you want to send me back? And I'm like, no, no, I thought, yeah. you know, and like, I just got so emotional because I was like, oh my God, like I did something to make my child think that I would rather exchange him for another kid. I'm like, oh, wow. Like that, that hit me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I can relate to that. So my son, who's 24 now, um, had a very similar response to me, probably around that same age and same situation, you know, just get frustrated and they're not listening and, and, and all that. And he said to me, well, well then just sell me like a rabbit. So Aww. he had seen a movie, Lilo and Stitch, where it was like she was selling a rabbit. I don't even know what the scene was, but he was just like, give me away then. Like, it, you know? It made him feel like I didn't want him around. Like he was such a nuisance to me at that point that he was just like, you know, okay, then get rid of me kind of thing. And, but the the good thing about that 
is then that gives you if you if you take the time to love right that gives you an opportunity to show them repentance and ask for forgiveness and then you know say oh my god I'm so I'm so sorry you know I I'm you know I I shouldn't have talked to you that way it was not loving it was not kind um you know and and you know what can I do better will you forgive me you know that that shows them what true forgiveness how to model you know, asking for forgiveness, you know, and I am all for asking my kids forgiveness if I have messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think God doesn't give our ki- give us kids to make us happy. I think he gives us kids to make us holy, right? Because it gives you a mirror of yourself mm-hmm. and there's nobody that shows you your ugly side more than your kids. Yes. <laughs> nobody. Oh. That mirror up in your face is ugly sometimes oh my god and you have to humble yourself and you have to just like go back and say i'm sorry i you know totally relate to that story for sure <laughs> well thank you I appreciate that. <laughs> but you know it's like because like you said the social media stuff right like i didn't take a video of that <laughs> Right. <laughs> I took right. a video of us on the beach, <laughs> but there's always, you know, you put in all the efforts and all of that, that I post on social media and that you post on social media, it's all real. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times the other stuff doesn't get there, but like, you're yes. right. It's important for people to know it's, it's there. We all mm-hmm. go through those things and it's how you deal with them. Like the conversation we had after that, I think helped us understand each other better. You know, mm-hmm. I got to understand that when he's in that place, it's not because he doesn't care, you know, which is how I was interpreting it. Like he's not Mm -hmm. taking me seriously. He doesn't see how important this is. He doesn't Mm -hmm. care. That's what I thought it was. And it turned out that he was being harsher with himself than Mm -hmm. I would ever be with him, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was illuminating and he got to understand that I'm, you know, I want him to learn how to work hard because I think it's best for him. I think he got Mm -hmm. that message. It sounded like Mm -hmm. he got that message. (laughs) I don't really know. he I'm like no I'm never gonna want <laughs> like he's like you know as far as I'm concerned he's the greatest kid in the entire history mm-hmm. of the world and but that's how I feel and yeah absolutely um yeah it's um and the mirror thing that resonated so much because how many times do you see your kid and you're like where did they get that habit and you're like it was me wasn't it yeah I didn't notice I did it until right now mm-hmm, I didn't notice mm-hmm. that I had that quirk until I saw him do it over and over yeah <laughs> yeah but again, I always see opportunities, right? So even though it, it was hard for you to go through that, and I'm sure for your little boy, but it gave you an opportunity to grow in communication. And just like you said, you learned about him and he learned about you. Without that situation, you probably wouldn't be able to reenact or have that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that I've learned as a mom is that, you know, sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and we can beat ourselves up for those moments when we don't show up well. But without those nasty moments, unfortunately, then we don't have the opportunity to have those really valuable conversations and learning lessons, not only for you as a mom, but also for him. So it's real life. Yes. Uh (laughs) I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. And you Um, don't have a nanny, you know, taking your kids, you're doing (laughs) the work. 
So that's oh yeah, you know, definitely like show. nothing, nothing against that by all means, if that's the right. right decision for your family, but I'm not the only single mom who can't get a nanny, <laughs> you know, like right, for right. a lot of us, that's just the reality. And, you know, especially right. even when you're um, let's say you're working a job where most of the other people, you know, you're working with aren't single moms and they mm-hmm. do have those nannies and they assume that everyone has the nanny, right. and the one where it's like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to juggle it. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't want it any other way. I love having mm-hmm. him here all day. Um, mm-hmm. So I know your journey to becoming the practitioner that you are today took many turns. And, you know, we spoke last time about it starting like your fitness. I hate using the word fitness journey because I feel like everyone who DMs me to join their MLM uses that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm on a fitness journey too. And I'm like, I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, and I've done MLMs. I know how hard they are. I know it takes a lot of work, respect for people who make it work, but like, I'm so, I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it started for you. You were a teenager and, you know, at the time, what was fashionable, what was considered beautiful was for women to have the bodies of like 13 year olds. And, you know, and so you got into fitness to try to look different than your body type would allow. And then it it evolved. So can you tell everyone about that? Because it's, it's just, it's so relatable to me. And I can, I know that so many people are going to be like, Oh my God, that was, that's what it was like for me too. Yeah. So I grew up in Miami, Florida, where it's still to this day very much um, what you look like, what you have, the status, those kind of things. And so I had the bigger butt and the thick thighs and I felt that I was fat. I did not look like my friends looked. And, you know, Hispanic parents, at least my mom, (laughs) for sure, you know, would comment a lot about my weight and my brothers would tease me about the size of my butt. And um, that wreaks havoc on a teenage girl, a young teenage girl. And it did for me. So, you know, the only thing that I could think of was to starve myself and exercise a whole lot as much as I could every single day. I would watch shows on TV. There was like four in a row. So about two hours. And then I would go into the garage in my Miami weather. There's no, I, I, when there's no um, air conditioning and I would do another like hour or two cardio, just, just relentless, um, basically just a fit, like exercise anorexia, you know, so in just as much as you can as every every day because I wanted to look a certain way and I was fighting against my genetics. Through that, I enjoyed the feeling of being in control in that way because that was really the only thing that I could control at the time. You know, I could, I was a teenage girl, you know, 12, 13 years old. I couldn't control what I ate per se, as far as like, you know, what was in the house. Like I couldn't control my brothers and what they did or did not do, how they teased me. You know, I couldn't control how my mom treated me or what she could say. I couldn't control whether, you know, they would allow me to go somewhere and be with my friends or whatever. That was all outside of my control. But what I could control was what I put in my mouth and what I did with my body. And so that became exciting to me. And so then I started connecting that feeling with, um, 
with extreme exercise and as I became an athlete in high school, just pushing my body to the brink of exhaustion to the point where after every practice, if I wasn't ready to throw up, I knew I felt that I had done my part, that I had not done enough that day. Um, and sometimes I would go and I play basketball at open gym at nighttime with the guys because that was extra credit, a, a calorie burn, you know, those, those kind of things. So it just created this whole warped way of seeing fitness as a way to control, have a way of controlling my, my circumstances and make me look a certain way, which to a certain degree, I really did not, um, ex- like achieve that look. Because again, it was against my genetics. Like um, even at in sixth grade, I weighed 146 pounds, which I went to the doctor. And it was really because I, ha- I, I had a lot of muscle mass. Um, and so I weighed more. But when, when I heard that number and the doctor, well, you know, you, you're at whatever 90th percentile or some crazy because of the, back then it wasn't, there wasn't the BMI, but there was, you know, those growth charts that are still, I think, not individualized and, and really relevant for everyone. My mom commenting or whatever. And then I would go shopping and I wanted to wear a certain thing that wouldn't fit my body because my waist was too small, but my my hips were too big. So then I would have to get bigger sizes to fit, you know, and that wreaked havoc on my self-esteem as well. I hated, I hated shopping because of that. The whole point of exercising really wasn't really for health benefits. It was really just to try to fit into a box that I was not meant to fit into. When I became a single mom for the first time, I got pregnant at 18 and then my parents made me, well, my mom made me get married. And uh, by the end of age 20, I mean, that marriage was not going to survive. But so I became a a single mom at age 20. But at age 18, after Josh was born, he was 18. And then I quickly turned 19. I became a a certified aerobics uh, fitness instructor, aerobics instructor back in the day, group exercise. I forgot what it's called. But, you know, I started teaching group exercise. And and that was exciting to me because then people wanted to come to my class and I felt valuable. And, you know, I, I felt like, again, I control that situation. Now I would teach a class and then I would do another two hour workout on my own. It, it was just extreme, extreme. I always want to say the good part is mental toughness that it takes to be that extreme, even though it was for a negative reason. I am able to use it now for good. So like, you know, I can use my powers for good, not for evil now. Right. Um, And so I could use that mental toughness and that mental focus for something that I could use to not only really benefit me in my mental health and wellness and say no to the things that I know are not good for me now. And then I also am able to use it to my advantage to serve others, right? And teach them how to also focus in on what is really important and say no to the things that are are not good. I always say no 
is a complete sentence. <laughs> and, and, and I've also learned that you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to defend yourself to anybody. You don't have to please other people. If you know that you're doing what you need to do for your benefit and then be effective in the role that you are called to on earth. So if you're a mom, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you're a sister, you're a friend, whatever role that you play um, vocationally or personally, if you're not well, then you can't show up well for those people. So um, that that whole fitness journey, like you said, although it it it, it came from a dark place, um, it has served me well as far as always knowing that my body now versus then is now an asset versus a liability, right? Um, and um, and and so now I still work out intensely, but not to my detriment, right? So there are then, like I said, I could focus that energy to certain things so that I could see things through completion, the inconsistency. So I set certain fitness goals or physical goals because I've been working out for so long. I, I need to do that or else I get bored, but I do it in, in other challenging ways. So like, I think for right now, the most challenging thing that I do is yin yoga, which is uh, where you hold a pose for like three to four, five minutes. And it's very stress relieving and, and things like that. That is most challenging because it challenges my mental focus, right? I, I have no problem grinding it out. I have no problem lifting and pushing weights around. I have no problem kicking and punching and, and all that, all the extreme things. But the big challenge now is, is, is to, to mentally focus and slow down because I've been a single mom. This is my third time being a single mom. So I've been married three times. I've learned things along the way. and But Either way, I've been a single mom the whole time, whether I was married or not, because there were some times that I was married, but the guy was not the parent, you know, that kind of thing. So there's still a lot of things that I did as, you know, even though I was married. But all I have to say is like, I've been so go, go, go for so long that now what's most challenging for me is to slow down. You know, that takes a lot of self-awareness, right? Because that's a totally different level of challenge. Where people be like, oh, well, that doesn't do anything for you now. Like, how is that going to make you thinner or whatever or whatever? <laughs> but it is a new challenge. Part of that whole mental toughness that I've been able to kind of translate. So it's a transferable skill that I can put into a new way of moving my body. I find that exciting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling me the trains he wants us to take. <laughs> Any of you who don't follow my Instagram, um, you don't have to follow it for very long to know how obsessed my son is with trains. <laughs> and he knows them inside and out. But um that's good. Yeah. But no, you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely right. And um, you know, mental toughness sometimes means taking a break, you know, like mm -hmm. for the very brief time that I got to dip my toe in the world of training fighters. It's like, I just remember having to be like, discipline means that you do what's effective and not what makes you feel like a badass. So you're going to rest now, sit down. Uh -huh. Resting does not include push-ups. sit down. You know, Right, right. <laughs> I don't know how to rest. I don't, I don't. And I actually have to purposely schedule it. Wow. <laughs> it seems absurd, right? It seems absurd. But I mean, I guess I could make the time, right? I can rearrange or not do certain things that I know I like to do or are for my benefit. 
sit and watch TV or or whatever. And I do goof around with the girls and spend time like that. But as far as sitting and binge watching Netflix show, like what? I, who, what? <laughs> like, I, lo- I don't get to do it very often, but I love binge watching. Yeah, it's I, like I just I get don't... sucked into this alternate reality. It's totally a vice of mine. <laughs> yeah, I admire that because I don't know how to do that. Like I will watch maybe one movie a week. You know, I don't watch TV, but even like 30 minutes in, I'm like, I need to get out. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, mean, I, I have a stand up desk because I cannot sit down. So yeah, just like you said, sometimes the mental toughness is you're going to need to rest. Mm -hmm. It's important to go to sleep. You know, I am also very diligent about my sleep. I don't stay up late because I know once I get up, I'm go, go, go. And even when I try to take a nap on the weekends when I don't have the girls, it's really hard to slow down my brain. But, you know, again, just 20 minutes of just being still is valuable for me because I don't do that. Yeah. So it, again, it's just, it's a different type of mental training. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just like thinking about there's a practice of a mindfulness, spiritual practice called Vipassana. It's a form of meditation. And like one of the things they make you do is literally sit still. You cannot like cross leg, like you have to choose your position cross legged or kneeling or whatever, but then you cannot extend your arms or legs or open your eyes for a solid hour. And like you do that three times a day. Wow. So challenging because it hurts. Like when you were saying, you're like, you know, sometimes just doing nothing and being still I'm like, yep, yep. Got it. <laughs> Very yeah. familiar. That's, that's one that I've been practicing lately. So I was like, yep, yep. Yes. I can relate actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and but, when our kids were little, you would try to make them, you know, take a nap or, you know, have some quiet time or, you know, have some time to be still like as moms, we obviously, we don't have the luxury of having a lot of time just, just to be still. But because we've been conditioned, at least I know I've been conditioned to just keep going. It's hard not like I have to now like train myself or like I said, schedule time just to be still on purpose. And it's not spontaneous, though. Like I have to also schedule it. So it's still kind of work, to be honest. But but it's more passive work than just doing. (laughs) I feel you. I really feel you. It's like those things that you have to schedule if life gets busy. Like the couples that have to schedule their like, you know, happy time together. (laughs) You can also make it wonderful. Um, Right. You during your journey. Right. So you had all this fitness. You became like a superstar in pretty much everything. And then (laughs) the universe slapped you across the face with with another obstacle. (laughs) And I think this one is where a lot of your wisdom comes from in what you know about nutrition, because it completely changed your perspective on that from our last conversation that you had. And so let's share that one. Yes. When I had my second child, my son is nine years older than my second child. She's my first daughter. I had started experiencing a lot of fatigue and a lot of symptoms. I started losing my beauty. My hair started to get really, really thin and started losing my hair. No matter how much exercise I did, I could not lose the weight that I had gained from my pregnancy. My eyes, you know, just became like swollen, my tongue swell. And I just started to like not recognize myself at all. And when she was about five months old, 
my husband at the time didn't think there was anything wrong. I kept asking, like, you know, do I look different? Like, do you, you know, do I sound weird? And he was like, no, you're just tired. You know, you just had a baby. Like, it's fine. And I was actually talking to my first husband, which was the father of my son, over the phone. And he's like, are you okay? You sound weird. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I sound weird. And he's like, maybe you should get checked. So because of him, I went to actually get checked. Um, And sure enough, I I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune condition. So what happens is your body starts to attack the thyroid. It creates these antibodies and it it attacks the the thyroid. And when I got to the doctor to get my blood work, he was like amazed that I had even gotten there because the levels were so bad that I, I was really like somebody that should have been in a coma. So, you know, that here I am thinking that I that I had it all put together and and whatever and health gets in the way and this condition that I did never even know existed. And throughout the years after that, like I I thought, okay, well, I could just take this pill and be okay. That wasn't the case either. My weight just could, just fluctuated. Soon after I had my first daughter, I had my second daughter. They're only 18 months apart. You know, I wasn't able to lose really any of the weight from my first pregnancy. And after my second pregnancy, I did lose 73 pounds after. And I was very, very diligent. I was doing Weight Watchers and just doing a lot of portion control and, and everything. And again, my exercise has always been on point. Like I know never not exercise. Then the weight started creeping in up again. I got divorced and like, you know, I became a single mom again. It, it just kept going up and up, you know, like fluctuating and I could never really control it. I felt like I was always obsessed. Like I tried every new workout regimen. I was also a group exercise manager for a while. So I was certified in everything. So every type of modality or new trend I was certified in every new workout or a new gadget or the new diet, 21 day fix, Jenny Craig, you know, everything. I went to see a nutritionist and a dietitian. everything that I thought, because again, my focus was weight loss. It was always about weight loss. And then finally, about three years ago, I started to have digestion issues. Like every day I had chronic diarrhea and chronic gas. And it was just like, what is happening? And I, my thyroid levels never have really ever been stable. Right. But then I went to this doctor to see about my digestion issue. And he was like, oh, you you just have IBS. Eat more yogurt. And I'm like, dude, I eat like what is what? Um, no. And so I started doing my own research, learning what is actually detrimental for someone with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, like gluten specifically, it's really detrimental because your body doesn't, someone who has Hashimoto's, even if you eat like one gram of gluten, it's the same as if I ate a whole pizza or a cake. Either way, it, it still finds it as an invader. It thinks that it is part of my thyroid. So once I consume gluten, it flares up the, the, the fighters to create more antibodies. And so that's why, especially people with Hashimoto's autoimmune conditions like that should not have gluten, even if they don't have a sensitivity to it or an allergy or they're not celiac because your body thinks that it is an invader, specifically the thyroid. I kept going to the endocrinologist and I said, this is what I'm reading. I mean, this is the research. What do you think? And they, they're like, no, you know, nutrition has no relevancy to the, <laughs> the function of your thyroid. And I'm like, what? okay. 
But then when this integrative internal medicine doctor told me that I had IBS and that I needed to eat yogurt, I'm like, this is not right. Like I'm not getting better with my thyroid. I'm getting worse with my like digestion. I saw there was an in-home food sensitivity test that I could take. And I'm like, maybe I should take that, you know? Sure enough, when I took that, I was allergic to, not allergic, uh, sensitive to so many foods that I was already eating that I were considered healthy, like spinach and almonds and green beans, those things, in addition to like gluten and dairy and these other things, which is indicative of leaky gut. For people who don't know what leaky gut is, just, you know, when, so you have these junctions in your intestines and over time, when you eat gluten, dairy, sugar, or things that cause chronic inflammation in the body, it starts to open up these junctures. And so you have these like rips so when you're eating, there's particles that go through the intestines and it goes in your bloodstream, contributing to more inflammation. And so, you know, when you have like a, an ankle sprain, that is an acute inflammation. It, it happens right away and you can treat it. You see it, it's red, it's swollen. But when you have chronic inflammation over time, you don't necessarily know that it's there, but it starts to lead to disease. It starts to lead to chronic issues, autoimmune conditions, lead to mental illness, conditions or concerns. It could lead to to so many, many things. Cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia, ADHD, anxiety, you know, so many things. Um, and leaky gut, even if you eat a clean diet, when you have leaky gut, there's those particles are still going through those junctures and they do cause inflammation because those foods are not, they do not belong in the bloodstream. So I put myself through like a complete elimination of all the foods that are in that test. And within a couple of days, my digestion issue corrected. I have reversed a lot of the symptoms that I had with my Hashimoto's. I also was able to wean off my antidepressants and mood stabilizers that I was on for like 21 years. I was able to just correct so many things. But again, my Focus then changed from losing weight, weight loss to healing. When you change your focus to healing your body, then my body did lose weight. I did lose a lot of body fat. A lot of it was inflammation. And so that's what I think was the greatest paradigm shift for me was when I stopped being so concerned about my weight and what is the next diet I need to try so that I could lose weight and then started focusing on, okay, what kind of nutrition am I going to use to heal my body? Then naturally my, my, my body weight came down to what, what I think is my set point. Could I get lower than I am right now? Sure. Because I could be very specific in my macros or all those things. Mm-hmm. But I'm no longer so obsessed about that. I'm more concerned about feeding my body what I know is best for me, which may not be best for you. It's very individual. I mean, I think there are some things that are across the board or should be. Uh, I hate eating, saying the word "should" because I don't I like I don't like shooting on people. But um, you know, but that I I think are more beneficial for the masses versus and then you can tweak 
individually. You know, I was pretty extreme. You know, I now I, I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat soy. I don't eat refined sugars. And I don't cheat because it's no longer worth it for me. That momentary piece of cake or whatever. I know personally for my body, it wreaks havoc. Number one, like I've mentioned, you know, because I have Hashimoto's, it does flare up autoimmune response. It can take a long time for my body to 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 kind of calm down. So why why would I even want to put myself through that? Again, it's not worth it. That became like my my life's mission because I have I have seen so many psychiatrists, I've seen so many internal doctors, I've seen so many specialists, I've seen dietitians, I've seen nutritionists. Uh, and I remember the last time I saw a nutritionist, she's like, "What do you hope to gain from meeting with me?" I said, "I just want to be Free. I just want to feel free. I feel like I'm so consumed about what I'm eating, what I shouldn't be eating. I just obsess all the time. I, I feel like I'm trapped and I just want to be free. Now, even though people think that I'm very rigid in how I eat, because again, I don't cheat. There are certain parameters that I that I always stay within, some you know, rules, food rules that I that I stay within. But I know what's best for me. I've experienced with myself. And so I feel free because I don't go outside of what I know is good for me and what I know will hurt me. I don't count calories. I don't count macros. I don't weigh my food. I'm not concerned about the scale anymore. I see food as medicine. You can either have food as a, your medicine or food as your poison. You get to choose. So I use, I choose my food to be a medicine for myself, for my mental health, my physical health, my emotional health. I see exercise as a way to support that. That's also changed my view on exercise. I no longer exercise to look a certain way. I exercise to feel a certain way. I no longer eat to look a certain way. I eat to feel a certain way. And that brings freedom. Mm -hmm. That brings freedom. It takes a lot of pressure off mm -hmm. and it just keeps me at peace. And that I think has been the greatest thing that I have learned through my struggle is finding that peace and the balance between the food and, and the exercise and how they can go together um, to really live optimally. And that's what I want to teach other women to do and empower them to do. Yes, it is. It is a sacrifice. Yes, it will come with discomfort. Yes, you would probably lose friends <laughs> because yes, you would probably piss off a waiter because people not will not always understand. You know, they were like, why do you why you don't eat gluten? Are you allergic? I'm not necessarily allergic. No. You know, over time, I would be like, you know, it's a sensitivity or I'll go to the restaurant and I say, does it have gluten in it? And they're like, what? Are you allergic? You know, and sometimes I'll just say yes. You know, now I just say yes. Then they'll take me seriously. Where if I would say, well, it's a preference, they'll look at me like oh, she's just being a difficult Mm -hmm. She's just being a diva or whatever. And so at first I would shame myself and say, I'm going to be difficult. I know I'm just so hard. Like, uh, I know I'm just a nuisance, you know? And then I'm like, why am I shaming myself to make other people comfortable with what I know is best for me? So that whole shit world, it was like a worldview. Like it changed everything, how I saw life. It's been a battle, but, and I have had difficult conversations with doctors about it um, because now I advocate for myself. 
I'm well educated. And and that's another thing that I like to do. I want to fill the gap for women like me who have tried it all and still did not get better. So I want to fill the gap between them and their provider, educate them, empower them so that they can advocate for themselves and find what works best so that they can find healing. Because I am a big believer that there is no magic pill, even if you do have to take a pill, because I the, I still have to take a thyroid replacement pill mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. I will have to do that or else my body will shut down. But I know that there's just all this other stuff that I still need to do. I cannot rely on the pill. And that's what I thought I, I could do. That's what medical providers sometimes tell you. Just take this pill and you will feel better. But that's not reality. There's so much more that can be done that you could support yourself. You could reverse a lot of the symptoms. You can heal a lot of your ailments and you can prevent further disease from happening. If you eat a certain way specific to your situation, to your body type, your history, and then you change some of the lifestyle habits that keep us unwell. Yeah. You know, I love that you brought that up. Um, it just so happens that I was, I was having a conversation about depression specifically, but about using lifestyle interventions and how in certain circumstances, it can seem dismissive to suggest them. In the case of depression, this came up because I found myself just rewriting the same message over and over again, because it's just, you know, when someone's telling you like this, this is the several horrible situations that have happened and why I'm suffering from depression right now. And you're like, have you tried an elimination diet? (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, there are so many ways, like it can sound like victim blaming or like, Mm -hmm. huh, what's wrong with you? Right, right. Like you caused this, it's yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, or like, uh, or like this was, it was like, oh, you just get some sleep. It'll be fine. You should mm-hmm. sleep snap out of it. it right. Right. You know, but at the same time, like you can't, as a practitioner, you can't withhold that information because mm-hmm. as you said, you know, people go through these torturous journeys with the pills. And again, there's nothing wrong with pills. They have mm-hmm. their place. You know, just like if there are several different pills, should a doctor only tell you about one of them and just be mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to tell you about the other ones. No, it's like you have to like within your scope of practice. I feel very strongly about that and never going outside your scope of mm-hmm. practice. But you you have to like, you know, inform people of these. But to do so in a way that <laughs> seems like you're taking them seriously, like, oh, I'm suffering from this and, you know, Hashimoto's or whatever. Have you tried cutting out gluten? It's like, did you not hear me? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I love that you brought that up because and you explained it so eloquently. It's, you know, there's nothing against the other interventions that are out there, but to deprive yourself of even the option or the information around all those other things you can do to support yourself, as you said, (laughs) you know, it also struck me about what you were saying is that you got your control back because you have Mm -hmm. the information, you're empowered with information. And so now you have the freedom to choose if you want to feel Mm -hmm. at peace 
if you want to feel free or mm-hmm. if you want to have gluten mm-hmm. and you can choose that. And there's, right. you know, like I have a dairy sensitivity. It's a light one. If I have dairy one time, I'll just feel a little sluggish the next day. It takes like three days for me to really start right. to feel bad, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, I have that ice cream sometimes and that's, I can choose and like people can choose. You know, like in the long term, might it be better for my body if I didn't? Yeah. Like when you have that information, like I know some people who won't even try an elimination diet because they're like, well, then if I find out I'm sensitive to something, I can never have it again. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you've been having it all this time, right? If you don't do the elimination diet, you're going to continue having it all the time. If you do Mm -hmm. the elimination diet, the only difference is you'll know whether changing something can make you feel better and then you can choose to or not. Or sometimes choose to and sometimes not. So you got your control back. You got that freedom in that, in a completely counterintuitive way. Right. Yeah. That is my goal to really educate, make people aware. There is so much value to becoming self-aware. And the more you can learn to be self-aware, the more that you can make better choices for yourself because sometimes we don't know what we don't know and so we make choices based on what we don't know they could be hurting us there is power in knowledge like you said you could then make choices you can make well-informed choices and then you could choose okay well i know that when i eat this way i have this reaction is it worth it for me to go through this reaction for the next you know couple days or so If it is, fine. If it isn't, then, you know, at least I know. But if you don't take the time to really explore what is causing some form of dysfunction or dis-ease of sorts, then you just continue to, you know, rely on medication or substances or things that really don't get to the root of the problem and is just a Band-Aid. Then you end up you know, when you're 60 years old, you know, taking 20 different medications, you're just trying to put a bandaid over a bandaid and everything is interrelated. It's, it's, it's a domino effect. If you don't get to the root of a problem and just put a bandaid on, then a second diagnosis is given and a third and now a fourth. And now you have, you know, now you need glasses and now you have insomnia and people think it's not connected, but your body is a whole. It's normal. Yeah. Your hot body is a whole. Yes, exactly. And it's not normal. Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love you brought that up. And, you know, even tying back to what you said earlier about light sensitivities and, you know, people eating a you know, generic middle of the bell curve, healthy diet, it could, they could be eating things that cause inflammation in their own body, or in your case, leaky gut, things getting through and causing inflammation, but not the inflammation that you feel in an acute inflammation scenario. It's just, you know, like a lot of people don't know what it feels like not to feel inflamed. And they associate Mm -hmm. inflammation getting worse and worse with aging because that's what happens to abuse your body. Like sometimes it's the next day, like you go out, you get a hangover, but not the next day. It takes what, like three decades. Like most people start to see these health issues around 30 if they don't, you know, clean up their act by then. 
Mm-hmm. And until you feel that inflammation gone, all of a sudden it's, I feel like a kid again. At least that's kind mm-hmm. of my experience. And modern life makes it hard, especially like I work on a computer for like, I don't know, 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so with all that sitting and then it more sitting and lots of sitting and it's hard, like I, the way it feels to me, and I've actually never really talked about this before. So I'm wondering if you feel the same way, but for me, like inflammation manifests as just kind of like this agitation, like without mm-hmm. really, it just kind of feels like kind of like, ag- like I can't, I can't just get comfortable, you know, I can't just feel calm and at peace. Like I kind of want to fidget or I'm kind of uncomfortable, have to keep changing positions, just kind of like this general low level, low grade agitation. I'm just kind of lethargic, you know, like I don't feel like, yeah, let's go. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, let me get myself up, you know? Mm -hmm, And that's mm -hmm. me what inflammation feels like. And those times when I can be free of it, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a kid again. Let me run around. Let me jump around. Let me do this. Like I'm like raring to go. And, you know, that might not be how it feels for everybody. But like you said, we don't know it because it creeps up on us so slowly. Mm -hmm. And because of the lifestyle that our culture has, it creeps up on most people. This is what happens as you get older instead Mm -hmm. of we're abusing our bodies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And again, Mm -hmm. you know, every person it's, it's your choice to me, you know, it's, it's troublesome that so many people don't have that information to even choose from. Or unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because we live in the age of like, you know, facts as opinions on the internet where they just conflict with each other. People may have access to the information, but it's hard to know who to believe. They don't necessarily have reliable access to the information in that way. And we see it in the work we do because we see those quote unquote miracles all the time with, I've been to 20 doctors and Mm -hmm. you told me to just do X, Y, Z. And (laughs) why didn't anyone else tell me that? It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, because, you know, there are a lot of reasons why no one's trying it's not a conspiracy everyone's trying to help like you said it's people don't have access people don't have that option and so they don't have the freedom to choose whether you know like they want to like in my case it makes sense to do what I'm doing right now and grind and or you know as opposed to like I'm just gonna quit (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) I'm gonna mm -hmm. go like build a hut in the woods and like (laughs) all day like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know I'm not saying those are the only two options but you know like you know we we make we have to make those tough choices but I can make like you said a well-informed choice on like hey I know that this is rough on my health right now but I think in the end grinding like this while I'm young will be better for my health later on or mm-hmm. you know someone else may decide the opposite and that's all great you know like like having the information having the means to make that choice you can have that control over your body that freedom um just hearing your story about you know that experience with your body i just imagine um, just from like experiences I've had, it's like for me, when my body has out of nowhere done something like that, it almost feels like a betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's like your body's like your closest companion. <laughs> right. And I just remember when, you know, for, for me, it was the inability to birth my son. And it was like, but I did everything right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like, 
like when your body, there's like an emotional, I don't know if you experienced that, but for me, there's like an emotional side to having a problem like that, whether it's, you know, an injury or a disease or something that crops up, even though you've quote unquote done everything right that you know of, Mm -hmm. it it feels like a, like a betrayal and like that loss of control, you know, like Mm -hmm. that you mentioned is emotionally very difficult. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I currently am having an inflammatory response. So before we started recording, I mentioned to you that I just found out this week, part of the whole breakdown on Monday was that I got the report, the toxicology report of my house, you know, major mold issue. I've been living here for about seven months now. And because I have an autoimmune condition, I'm more susceptible. I mean, a couple months into living here, I started having respiratory issues and I'm like, that's not normal. And then I started waking up with puffy eyes. And and so finally, at the beginning of December, I'm like, I think this is must be a mold issue. I can't, I can't see it. But sure enough, it came back that it's positive. So now I have to, I'm like, I'm meeting with a scientist tomorrow on a remediation company on Friday. But all that to say is that even though I haven't changed anything the way I'm eating, but because of the mold toxins in my home, I have gained weight like literally about six pounds the past month. Because again, I have an autoimmune condition. So I'm more susceptible to, and because I have eliminated so much, my body reacts pretty quickly to to some sort of toxic chemical or environment or whatever. Someone like me who had the past that I've had, you know, looks at that scale and said, oh my gosh, like here I am, I've done everything right. I do everything right. Like how much more do I, can I eliminate, you know, like I might as well, like, you know, people be like, well, let it. Well three meals eat. a day. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I might as well just eat whatever I want. If my body's going to gain weight anyway, you know, but truth is it is what it is. I look a lot more puffy and I know it is a lot of inflammation and you know, I, my eyes burn and I have a lot of he- like a headache and have brain fog and you know all those symptoms are a result of mold exposure for for as long as I've had it. Sometimes you could do everything right and have some form of like exposure to something that causes your body to react in a way because for whatever reason it's an immune response to the inflammation that I is happening inside due to the the exposure. But because I know what I know. Um, I'm not necessarily freaking out, but I have to put those thoughts in check. Yeah, I'm gaining weight again. I have a fear. Like, am I going to go up? Like, is my body not going to be able to react once I, you know, get rid of this mold, like, and detox from it? And like, am I going to lose the inflammation? You know, all these thoughts because I have grown up and so with so many warped ways of thinking about my weight and my my look and that number on the scale. And really the number on the scale is just information, right? The six pounds isn't because I've gained six pounds of fat, six pounds of inflammation. Now I have the tools to know the difference where before I thought, just like you say, you know, like people think that inflammation, they, they, they just live with inflammation. They don't know any different. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, before I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm fat. Oh my gosh. Like now I have to go on this extreme diet to try to lose this weight. Then I start to do more, more damage. And then I, you know, shame myself. And then I go into like a tire, like a tailspin, like, 
you know, I've done all this work the past three years and now I'm gaining weight again. Like, was it worth it? You know, all these crazy thoughts. It's kind of like when you drive a car and you have a, like a, a fender bender and then you're, you, you know, you have, you just hit a bump in the road and then you come back home, take a bat to your car and you, you, you demolish it. Cause like, what's <laughs> the point, right? That's absurd. Yeah. But it says sometimes that's what we do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. when your body re- responds in a way that even though you've tried to do everything possible for whatever reason, it's not responding or you get an illness or, you know, because you can't always know what's around you or control everything. So there is a lot to be said about, you know, properly educating yourself and knowing what is beneficial and what is harmful and, and what you're exposing yourself to and what you're consuming the point would be is that you would choose beneficial things for you most of the time, right? If not all the time, at least most of the time. One thing that I had to learn that at the end of the day, it was a hard pill to swallow when I put myself in front of the mirror and said, Dama, you've been doing this to yourself, whether it's been subconsciously or consciously, you're doing this to yourself. So now that you're armed with this information, it would be completely negligent and irresponsible for you to continue to harm yourself in this way. When you stop looking outside all the time for who's to blame, and then you kind of not necessarily internalize it so that you can bash yourself, but when you can say take ownership yes. mm-hmm. of what you're contributing to your current situation in a negative direction, then again, the hope is that you can learn what you need to learn, implement what you need to implement so that you can then own your health because it's really not the doctor's responsibility or anybody else's responsibility to care for you. You do that. You need to do that. It's not your kid's responsibility. It's not your mom's. It's not your brother's. Unfortunately, the model is that, you know, people, so like you said, get old, you normalize it, the pills. And then at the end of the day, it's everyone else taking care of you, you know, your kid Mm -hmm. or the nursing home or whatever, because now you've made it everybody else's problem. And instead of taking ownership for yourself, it is hard. It is hard. Not many people want to do that. I was having a conversation with my business accountability partner and she has a friend who's a farmer. She's got a lot of health issues, but they use glyphosate like Roundup and all these chemicals, which is really contributing to a lot of her health issues. But if she was to say and own it like, oh, what I'm doing to these crops is actually harming my health. I'm responsible for other people's lack of health. I'm responsible for my kid's lack of health. You know, that's a hard pill to swallow and own. Yeah. You know, so I understand there's fear behind not wanting to take a hard look at yourself and your situation. What are you contributing to your lack of health? Mm -hmm. But again, there is freedom. Once you do the hard work, take a good look at what you're doing, learn what you need to learn, implement and move forward. It's so empowering to know that, you can make the choice between having a good day physically, if you choose, you know, what you eat and what you consume and the habits, or you can make the conscious choice, you know what, I know I'm going to pay for this tomorrow, but I'm just going to do it, you know, and then you mentally prepare for that. 
You know what's coming. Mm -hmm. And again, there is freedom in that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love. It. I feel like we just like brought it back full circle. It's like you're absolutely right, and you know, responsibility is not blame. There may be times when those two things overlap. Taking mm-hmm. responsibility doesn't mean you're blaming yourself, and it is empowering because it acknowledges your choice. Because then mm-hmm. you're not a victim anymore. You can choose right. to be out of that situation, or you can choose to stay where you are if it's more beneficial. And mm-hmm. it's empowering. And mm-hmm. it goes right back to the hardships of single motherhood we were talking about too. It applies mm-hmm. to nutrition, and you know, as a single mom, you know. I was so scared. Like I was telling you before we got on here, I was, I was terrified to become a single mom because what's the narrative out there? You know, what are all the stories about the struggle and, oh, well, you know, I, we, you know, we admire and respect the single mom because of all the hardships she went through, right? It's not mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's it, <laughs> you know? And, and then to, you know, be in the situation, it's easy to feel like a victim, especially if it wasn't, you know, a hundred percent your choice and, mm-hmm. you know, stepping up and taking ownership allows you to be empowered for your future choices. You know, mm-hmm. like people will say I'm hard on myself when I'll say, you know, I can't complain because I stayed in the situation as long as I did. I'm not blaming myself. I thought it was the right thing to do with the information I had at the time. And I was seeking, you know, opinions of, you know, the right, you know, professionals to make the decisions I made. And to me, I thought it was the right decision. And so I stayed in the situation and you're like, you're being hard on yourself. No, I'm not. I'm acknowledging I made a decision. I'm giving myself, I'm I'm giving myself, you know, authority, like not, not authority. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Not autonomy. There is an agency. I'm giving myself agency. agency, you know, like as opposed to, well, this happened to me. Well, then it can just happen again to me, you know, mm-hmm. whereas otherwise I can choose if I find myself in a similar, God, I hope I don't <laughs> If I find myself in a similar situation in the future. I can look back and say, Do I still believe this is the right thing to do? I choose to take the risk and stay in this situation again, or do I choose to avoid it and, you know, potentially, you know, feel what I would feel if the situation had turned out the other way and I was right, you know? But so, yeah, with nutrition, you can choose. You're not like just because you find out you're gluten sensitive doesn't mean you can never have bread again. It means Mm -hmm. that you can choose if it's worth it to have bread again because you have Mm -hmm. full information, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and just the same way in life with any hardship you're faced with, with any difficult situation, you know, taking that ownership and taking that responsibility, it empowers you. It gives you the choice because you're not a victim of circumstances you are not boxing yourself in. You're not jailing yourself to other people's expectations or to an idea of what you think you should be or you should do. You're Mm -hmm. giving yourself the freedom to choose Mm -hmm. what you believe is best for yourself at that time. And again, you won't always make the right decision. That's not blame. But if you take responsibility Mm -hmm. You continue to give yourself that agency, that ability to choose and to learn from it. Mm -hmm, Exactly. 
Thank you so much for joining me <laughs> for this. I mean, this conversation got deep. <laughs> yeah. I always tell people, I don't know how to chit chat. Like you're going to either go deep with me or we're just not going to talk because I don't know how not to do it. <laughs> you know, I'm with you. I'm just not a huge fan of small talk. Like, you know, I'll do it for like, you know, other people's, like I get, you know, other people feel more comfortable with that. And so I'm happy mm-hmm. to engage in the small talk ritual that our culture you know, right. is used to. But my preference is like, Hey, how are you? Let's, you know, and then jumping into yeah. <laughs> jumping into those deeper topics that most people are uncomfortable with. So I, I feel yeah. you. Um, but you know, let people know. I mean, I'm sure after hearing your wisdom, everyone's <laughs> there are probably a million people right now who are just like, I need to work with her. I need to talk <laughs> with her. I need to learn from her. So let them know where they can keep in touch, learn from you. Um, if they're interested in getting in touch to work with you, how does all that work for you? You can find me on Instagram and also um, in Facebook, but I'm most active on Instagram. Dalma, D-A-L-M-A underscore wellness. And then I have a website called dalmawellness.com. I always respond to every direct message. So if you want to direct message me, um, you could do so either uh, through Facebook. If you're, if you're not on Instagram, if you are Instagram, follow me on Instagram. Also on my website, they have a little contact information if you want to send me that as well. My email is dalmawellness at outlook.com. Again, that's another way to reach me directly. I always love to get questions. So if you have questions, don't don't hesitate to reach out. We can have a dialogue and, and see how best I can serve you and help you educate you and walk alongside you because it is a journey. It, it's not a destination. It's lifelong. I just want to continue to empower people and give them valuable information that will serve them so that they can be well, so that they can show up well for others and have an optimal life and a quality life. I would rather not live very long and have a quality life and just live to the fullest than live to 90 and just have chronic illness and mm-hmm. and disease and just live ineffectively for the people who I love. And And that's what I want to give people is the freedom that I've, I've been given, um, and just give back to, to them in that way. Absolutely. Um, and how do people work with you? Is it like, you know, courses, online programs, do you have books, blogs, publications, one-on-one? Yeah. Mainly right now I do to one-on-one. I do also have inflammation elimination protocol that I take people in through. It's a four week thing that won't be one-on-one. It's more self-directed. So you can purchase that and, and then I can support you in the elimination process. First week is sugar. Second is gluten, then dairy, and then um, processed oils. And the whole goal is to, to by the end of that four weeks, just to have all those eliminated. If you don't want to do one-on-one and would rather, you know, do kind of more self-directed, they could do that too. It's always important to at least reach out to me and then tell me what's going on. And I can kind of direct you on what best will serve you, whether it's one-on-one or more of a self-directed way of, of, of dealing with it. So awesome. Yeah. Well, 
definitely get in touch with Dalma. Thanks again so much for being here. And thank you, those of you listening, for tuning into Badass Moms brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. If you are a practitioner or if you're looking for a holistic practitioner, make sure you check out holistictherapiesdirectory.com. Follow Holistic Therapies Directory on Facebook and Instagram. For those of you who are new to me, I'm at Super Busy Mommy Coach on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok now because I have a young <laughs> team member who is on it. And you know, I have um, challenges that I'm running every couple of months or so. Um, Fight it, don't fear it challenge, which is all about how to completely crush a crisis situation. How do you take care of yourself? How do you stay fit? How do you stay healthy when life has you stretched to its limits? And going back to what we said earlier, (laughs) when you don't even have time for a breakdown, how do you take time (laughs) to take care of yourself? And so, you know, this goes way beyond motivational memes. It's all about practical solutions, like what scientifically actually works when you're interrupted by a toddler every 30 seconds, you know, (laughs) Um, when you have trouble affording what is normally promoted as healthy foods, what are the less expensive things that may not be quite as trendy, but can be just as healthy, you know, like Mm -hmm. guiding you through all of those tough situations and, um, and to get you to, you know, high levels of fitness and well-being. by the way, I don't do the, well, something is better than nothing. Well, you're just going to have to like, you know, have more realistic expectations that your life is just going to suck. Like, no, I don't do that. Um, you know, um, join my Facebook group, single moms thriving. Um, we're all about that. But so for those of you who are new to me, you can check me out as well. Thank you so much for joining and make sure you subscribe to the Badass Moms podcast. And if you follow us on Instagram, you can hear another conversation with Dalma and me on IGTV under my account, Super Busy Mommy Coach. Um, continue to follow and you'll hear more great content. Follow Dalma's page. I mean, I love listening to her (laughs) for her wonderful, just like soliloquies where she just spews diamonds of wisdom out of her mouth. (laughs) And I look forward to seeing you on the Baddest Moms podcast next time. Thank you for joining. Thank you. You've been listening to Badass Moms. Join us again and get your badass on.